I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could have me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. It is coming off! Robbie, Robbie, weekly. Little reverse pass, and oh! oh! Hi everyone, Murray Kinsley here. Hope you're all keeping very well. We wanted to give you another little snippet of this week's episode of the 42 Rugby Weekly Extra, which is available to members of the 42 every single Monday. The podcast involves me and professional coach and analyst Owen Toolan breaking down the previous weekend's action and answering loads of great questions from our members. If you're keen to get involved, just head over to members.the42.ie where you can sign up and get loads of other extras like our Roby newsletters and a whole range of great podcasts. This week on the 42 Roby Weekly Extra, we got some questions for Owen on the past season coaching in Japanese rugby with the Kintetsu Liners. So here's a taster of the latest pod. We got a couple of questions actually just on your experiences in Japan now that you're kind of Selling back in, and as Gordo says, as the dust settles, um, he asks, "I'd like to just hear your thoughts on the experience as a whole." Now that you're looking back, how, how do you reflect on it? Yeah, the um, the rugby side of things was was really enjoyable. Um, obviously, my first time coaching in a different language, um, so that's obviously got its challenges in terms of trying to deliver your message. You got to be creative about how you transfer information, and probably makes you simplify things even more than you think could have been possible i think um when you're delivering delivering a strategy um in terms of the kicking game it, it's really simple with your messaging and then japanese players just follow things to the absolute letter um they take things very literally so um you got to be extremely accurate when delivering information and then reinforcing it um but from a, a coaching perspective, I, I haven't worked with a, a race that I've worked harder on their craft. They spend hours and hours on end trying to work on their skills, upskill. They, they just have that work ethos about them. On their off days, they'll come in and, and do extras um, without fail. Um, so that side of things is really enjoyable. And then trying to build connections with guys that um, don't speak the same language as you, you got to be quite creative in terms of how you can do that. And um that was probably the most difficult part in, in terms of building those connections was the limitations in around COVID that uh, we couldn't socialize together outside of uh, training. So we were, we were in a, a pretty strong bubble, which means couldn't go for beer with the guys or, or go for lunch and those kind of things, which are really important when you're when you're trying to build those connections. It's obviously significantly easier with the um, with the English speaking players at, at training and stuff. You can you can chat about things outside of rugby, which is almost just as important when you're when you're trying to make those connections so um that was probably the hardest part to be honest um but from a, a rugby perspective really enjoyed it we ran a, a really good program um a good coaching staff there with a, with a couple of aussies as well nick styles and sean hedger with, that have super rugby experience so um yeah it was um we 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 did a good job during the season we obviously lost out to to panasonic in that second playoff game and and they've just gone on to win the competition undefeated for the season. So they're one of the, the powerhouses of Japanese rugby. Um, but yeah, a, a great experience. I, I'd, I'd recommend it. I think that's it's something I, I feel Irish coaches should do more of is is try and go overseas and, and get different perspectives of the game and, 
and see how players and coaches operate in different environments. And, and the most important thing is you, you get um, contrasting reference points and, and how the game should be played, uh, how players see the game. Um, and there's so many different ways to, to skin a cat. So, um, yeah, I, I would I would encourage more more kind of Irish coaches to, to look to get overseas and, and embrace different environments. Obviously, again, significantly difficult at the moment with the with the times we're in, but uh, hopefully in, in the next 18 months, um, opportunities will start to, to open up again. Yeah, absolutely fascinating. The language side was something that Hugo Nolan, another member, was asking about, and, and it's really interesting to hear your perspective on that. Gordo said, what was it like balancing the dynamic of pro and semi-pro or, or players who worked for the business as well? That must have been a, a strange one. Yeah, especially meeting time. Obviously, the pros are in every day. Um, so even those ad hoc meetings, if they're in doing a gym session in the morning that you can catch up with a guy on something from training the night before. Um, so those kind of little one-on-one chats are a lot harder with the company guys because they're coming in later in the day and, and their timetable is pretty tight. They, they literally get to the club, uh, they'll get into the gym and there'll be a team meeting and then they're on the pitch. And we're getting off the pitch at 6.30, quarter to seven in the evening. They've been in work since eight in the morning. Uh, so to then expect them to sit down and, and have some one-on-one meeting time is difficult. So that was probably the biggest challenge. So again, you need to be creative. So you're trying to do little um, little drills with them on the field, try and correct things that you're seeing in training or in games. And it's just far more kinesthetic. You're doing things through feel rather than uh, visual or audible. So um, yeah, creative in terms of your drilling and, and and your kind of individual skill development with them is is really important that you're you're well planned um because yeah you don't get a huge amount of time with them mm, really fascinating as you said panasonic win the last ever uh top league it's it's changing format now do you feel it's moving in the right direction fully professional league is is all the chat and um having a bit more structure around it obviously the business and ownership side of it is, is very different so how do you see that development and, and i suppose things moving forward now yeah, I think it's going to have its challenges. I think there was a strong push to try and commercialize the competition and bring in a, a third party to to run it. But I think it's going to stay with the Japanese rugby union, who are notoriously um, conservative and slow at making decisions. Um, and I think COVID couldn't have come at a worse time when they're trying to go into a pro pro competition because obviously. The competition is relying on the companies to to continue to to provide the the revenue to run the teams, and a lot of a lot of companies in Japan have uh, have suffered heavily from COVID. Uh, with Coca Cola and and Sanix have pulled their rugby programs completely, uh, so that's the tenuous nature of it. You're relying on 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 the big money from the companies to continue to to run and fund rugby programs, but. Um, it's not ideal with with the current economic climate, particularly in Japan, which is having a lingering um, or feeling the lingering impacts of COVID. So I think it's going to have its challenges. I think on the flip side, the benefit is that you begin to try and commercialize the game by by having teams play in their home stadiums. I think that's one of the big frustrations. You could have two Tokyo teams playing, playing a home game down in Fukuoka, which is hundreds and hundreds of kilometers from either their... Um, ground so getting games played in, in home team stadiums i think will be really good for the competition um trying to drive a new t- tv deal as well i think is important um 
and then I, I I think obviously if the if the finance bounces back post COVID, then it's one of the most lucrative markets in, in world rugby, and they're not going to struggle to um to invite talent to come to the company there uh, to come to the country. So I think if they continue to get high profile players, then it'll be an attractive product.